It's episode 509 of the Roadman Cycling Podcast, and it's time we talk about my experience at the Rift. Let's cue that intro. The big question is this. How do we use cycling as a tool to improve our health, our happiness, and our longevity? That is the question, and this podcast will give you the answers. My name is Anthony Walsh, and welcome to the Roadman Podcast. Roadman, welcome back to episode number 509 of the Roadman Cycling Podcast. It's my second day back in Dublin, back in the Roadman studio, back to having those home comforts. And I have to say it is nice. And you've heard me talking a lot on the podcast about gratitude and having stayed in a camper van for the past week. Yes, a camper van. I'm going to get into that in a minute. Having stayed in a camper van for the past week, it gives you gratitude for so many things. Like I woke up this morning, I turned the tap on, the magically water came out of the tap and I was able to down a point of water. That's not my experience in the camper van. It's like wake up in the morning, trudge across the campsite, fill a bottle and then down a point of water. So it's those small things that you really start having gratitude for and having aware and it's authentic gratitude because I struggle with that. At times I will open my journal in the morning to try and be grateful. And it's like when you were 10 years old and the priest asked you, you know, what your sins were and you were your soul was that pure at 10 years old. You didn't have a single sin and you had to make things up. That's what I feel like at times with my gratitude. I'm making stuff up and then I'm like, I'm thankful for the coffee beans. I am thankful for the coffee beans, but it just doesn't feel authentic. But when I said I was thankful for the soft bed after sleeping in the camper van for a week, for the running water, for the shower, I meant every bit of it this morning in that gratitude journal. I'm going to get into all that in a minute. But if before that, I kind of want to gloat because we had Ashley Momompasio on the podcast, the SD Works writer yesterday, who is racing La Tour de Femme avec Zwift. And on the day we released the podcast episode, Ashley was on the attack at the front of the Tour de Femme, or as the cool kids are saying, the WTF, watch the, watch the Femme. I love that little acronym, WTF, watch the Femme. So on the very front of the race, Ashley was on the attack, animating it. And she went very, very close to winning the stage. So it was really cool to drop that episode on a day where she was animating the front of the biggest women's bike race in the world. So you can check that out. It was yesterday's episode. She talks about her altitude preparation, her general mindset, and the importance of Zwift and indoor training in her preparation. And if you've been listening to the podcast, you know it's something I have had almost a complete U-turn on. And that U-turn was largely in part of that episode that I recorded with Ashley Mom and Passio. And I say on the podcast a lot that I have strong opinions held loosely. And that is one of them where I feel like I got it wrong. And I was, you know, I'm big enough to say it. I'm sure I'll take a bit of stick for it, but I am big enough to say it. And I actually rode a Zwift session yesterday evening, a recovery ride, uh, my first session back after uh, the Rift. I was nearly calling it Le Rift. I was trying to get into that real French feeling with the Tour de France. I was over at Le Rift. Le Rift avec Zwift. Uh, I had a tough day over there, folks. I'm going to get into it now, but I want to get into it almost sequentially. I went over and my, me and myself and Sarah went over, traveled together, packed the gravel bike uh, perfectly in the case and it thankfully arrived. But there was a bunch of Irish lads who weren't so lucky heading over to the race. And I think seven or eight of them 
ended up in Iceland without their bags. And air travel at the moment, it's a disgrace. It's shocking. I lost my bag on the way back. Still, still haven't got it. Airports look like refugee camps. There's lines everywhere. There's people sleeping around. It's chaos. I asked a baggage handler at one point, you know, because we had air tags in the bags. Could he go out to the runway and get the bags that they were telling us were in Iceland, but we could see they were on the runway and he's like I'm not even a baggage handler I'm dressed as a baggage handler but I work on the local building site and somebody's come around and paid me a day rate to come around and move the bags so it's absolutely appalling and I turn you off air travel at the moment but thankfully I got to Iceland myself and Sarah picked up the camper van and we headed off around what's called the golden circle in Iceland for an epic holiday one of the best I've ever had an amazing adventure and in parts this is going to sound like a paid advert for the Icelandic tourist board but I promise you it's not and just to temper that and say it's not all perfect over there the weather's shit the weather it's like going to Kerry the part of Ireland in the south that's notorious for bad weather it's like going there like you can't really go on a train and ride without a raincoat because there's a good chance at some point in the train and ride that you're going to get wet but having said that if you are aware that your skin is waterproof and you are aware that you know you won't die or melt the rain's not made of acid you can go outside in the rain it's an unbelievable place if you're an outdoorsy sort if you're into hiking snowboarding climbing cycling walking it's absolutely brilliant so we spent the week touring the golden circle in the camper van a few hikes some gravel riding some exploring using commute to just find new routes around the place and it was so so much fun and then came the day of the big events, the Rift. So what the Rift is, it's a race that traverses the continental rift between North America and Europe. So it's such a perfect location for bringing riders together from both continents to compete against each other. And that's really what gravel is about. It's this sort of inclusive vibe of bringing people together. The landscape is so diverse and the terrain you're riding over is so diverse. You're riding over like volcanic ash or volcanic dust, you're, which is quite loose pack, almost like sand. You're riding over hardened volcanic rock. You're riding through four major rivers. You have to cross them like with the bike on your back. Some mind-blowing hills, extreme remoteness, like 85% of it is gravel roads, 1,500 metres of climbing. That's all packed into 200 kilometers this race hasn't been around that long it took 14 months of planning and they only rolled out the first one in 2018 the most recent edition sold out in four minutes and i can see why it's just absolutely epic so i had said on the podcast that i was gonna go out hard terrible advice for anyone who's doing uh events sportive gravel race or, or even road race terrible advice i said i was gonna go out hard and i was gonna stay with the front group as long as i could absolutely below my lights really this was just for a bit of crack and i wanted to see what the level was like up front i've only trained for two weeks and i know i'm not going to stay in the front group on the event like this like it was won by nathan Haas, the ex the former confidence rider he's only out of the world tour a year and to give you a flavor of it if anyone's ridden a 200 kilometer sportif very difficult to average over 30 kilometers an hour in a 200 kilometer event with some climbing he averaged over 30 kilometers an hour in a 200 kilometer event off-road it's baffling where we include river crossings and glacier crossings in this that you have to walk it's a baffling speed that i can't even comprehend so i lined up and i you know bang shoulders a little bit and stayed up front so it's nine kilometers you know 
inverted commas neutral because there was nothing neutral about it it was went off hard off the gun and then there's a left turn for and it's a fight for the first gravel section so you go from a road that's kind of 25 riders wide to a narrow little gravel section that's maybe three riders wide so as you can imagine there's a big compression there so i was up front for that battling well you know you can still do that stuff when you're not fit you can you know bang shoulders a little bit and position well so that wasn't a problem but we're into the first climb automatically i'm in the red i'm hanging on so i hung on to the guys for about 15 to 20 kilometers i'm suffering bad up there when the lads are in zone three i'm probably top end of zone four i don't have a power meter on my gravel bike so i can't give you exact figures but i was definitely threshold or above in that group and then i don't know what happened i don't know if it was a rock or if a rider went into my rear mech or what happened but there's an impact and my di2 stops working about 20 kilometers in like totally stops so i'm like shit this is not good so i pulled to the side of the road the group is already split there's like 15 left up front out of 800 so the group's already split over the top of the first climb and i was like right i'm not going to hold the first group anyway so i'm going to stop and i'm going to try and fix it so i stopped played around with the mech jumped back on and i got a few gears back working i got three gears back working and i don't know how some magic wizardry mechanicism got it back working so i'm in the second group on the road and go to the first river crossing in the day and i a rider in front of me tries to ride the river crossing goes down i crash into him i go down like submerged up to my shoulders in the river bike goes completely under submerged have to fish the bike back out of the river carry it to the far side and get to the far side go to shift all the gears are toast so i'm 20 kilometers into the rift and all my gears are toast and i'll i'm not gonna lie to you i had a dark moment there where i raced hard for probably another 20 30 kilometers with that one gear but you know i was getting dropped on uphills and downhills but i was still in race mode and then i had a period probably that 20 kilometers where i was just so frustrated i was so disappointed and i i had my old racing mentality on that i'm here to race now i've had this mishap and it's ruined my day and you know i actually wasn't even going to share that with you guys but i want to be totally transparent around it that i was pissed off and i was close to to sacking it in for the day because i had my story i had my okay uh, someone ran into my di2 my di2 is broke it's not possible to do the rift with broken di2 so i'm done for the day and then i just thought okay what are the zoom out a bit here stop like you're you're listening to your inner bitch what are the facts okay you have a broken di2 your bike still works you're still healthy you've no crashes you've loads of food with you you're in a beautiful country surrounded by amazing people who are you know just such an amazing vibe at the event you're gonna ride through glaciers rivers mountains past volcanoes geysers waterfalls you're gonna miss all of that if you sack it in right now it's like what are you doing cop yourself on so i've recently interviewed pete stetna over on cyclist magazine it's getting released i think this thursday and i've had pete on this podcast twice as well and pete's one of the gravel pioneers and pete keeps drilling into me one phrase over and over again the spirit of gravel and it's this idea of gravel's different gravel's inclusive gravel's about the adventure it's about the story so i really tried to channel that and that sort of stoic wisdom of start over so at around 25 to 40 kilometer mark i had my sulk and then around then i reset i pressed i pressed uh, i pressed on that little uh, reset button and i sort of harnessed that spirit of gravel and i said okay 
I'm riding the next 160, 170 kilometers, whatever it is, in one gear, and I'm going to have an amazing day. And honestly, what an amazing day I had. It was from that point forward, nothing could disappoint me. I was just having the best day. I was getting dropped by almost every group I came upon. I'd say they were like, like oh, what is the story of this lad? On flat sections of road, <clears throat> excuse me, the voice, as I said, is still not 100%. On flat sections of road, <laughs> like there was like a 50, 60, 50, late 50s to early 60s year old man he was flicking me the elbow on a flat road with a tailwind and i'm like stuck in the middle of the block and he's in this 11 and i'm saying i'm like i can't ride through pal and uh, i'd say he was just thinking well, what is going on with this lad he is weak as piss but i was literally dropped from every group i was in going uphill hadn't got a small enough gear so i ended up having to grind up at about 20 cadence zigzagging postman uphills and then on the far side in the downhills everyone stuck it into the 11 and i got dropped there also but i had a smile on my face ear to ear all day i stopped at the rest breaks when you know if i was up front and competitive i'd be just grabbing stuff and going i seen the lads up front grabbing bottles and musettes and i'm like totally totally different experience i was chilling out sitting down on a chair at one point about 50 kilometers in there was a mechanic i stopped with him and we spent 45 minutes took the bike apart the bottom bracket took the uh, bar ends out looking for the battery that's inside the canyon and uh, couldn't find it so we couldn't fix the di2 so at that point then i was like you know what i'm already happy i'm already sort of uh, resigned myself to the fact that i'm going to have one gear for the rest of the day so i'm not really that bothered and from there on the river crossings were absolutely epic so you're coming up you're riding this sort of volcanic ash it's like it's like a thick muck you're coming up to that and then there's like a sharp downhill into it this big danger sign and then all of a sudden you see a river and i'm not talking a small stream like a river like a hundred meters crossing and it's up to you you know your waist at times and so you're picking your bike up on your shoulder and you're trying to wade through this but there's a bit of current so the current if you you know step on a stone wrong and the current catches you at the same time there's a good chance you'll fall and be washed a little bit downstream and you've like four of these and then something i hadn't realized was in the race at all was glacier crossings so again a similar experience you bomb this downhill and then it has this big sign danger and i'm like what is that white stuff you get to it and it's a full glacier so you could be crossing it for five six hundred meters so there were some guys from scandinavian countries and they were telling me like if you crouch sit on your top tube clip out one foot and kind of you know scoot along on the top tube you can ride this stuff i seen one lad trying it and he went head over heels into the snow i was like you know what i'm just carrying this i'm walking it 90 nine percent of people walked it except that mad scandinavian fucker who was able to ride it uh, i'm not sure up front i'll try and get nathan has the winner the event on the podcast and see if they were riding or walking it up front but there was two sections like that and i just had to look around and go this is magical it's right like riding through a lord of the rings fairy tale i've never experienced anything like it and it's been like i know i'm only back training like two weeks but experiences like the rift are why i started cycling they're everything about being a child on a bike and that raw sense of youth adventure mischief and almost risk as well because it's quite isolated out there and if something does happen it's like i don't know how you get out of that situation i'm sure the organizers have contingencies in place but you're a long long way from home you've no cell phone signal it's just it's an unbelievable experience. If you get a chance to do the rift, 
jump at it with both hands. It's going to be, if you're traveling from, you know, Ireland, mainland Europe or America, it's going to be quite expensive because Iceland is quite expensive. You know, you're looking at, you know, we went into the wrong place for a pizza. We, we, weren't, ex- we weren't anticipating like having a sit downy meal. I just finished a four hour ride and I was like, I wanted calories. Went into a restaurant to get a pizza. It turned out it was a slightly fancier than we'd anticipate a restaurant, but you were looking at like almost 60 euro for a pizza. It was heavy going over there in the airport uh, as we landed bought two coffees for seven euro fifty per americano so it is wildly expensive compared to you know ireland where obviously i'm predominantly based or girona where i get to a little bit which is the opposite direction and it's so cheap so it's just something to be aware of but you can go over on a budget you can shop on in supermarkets but if you're looking to go and eat out and do the dog on it it is going to be an expensive week but the Iceland itself fascinated me because it's geographically a bigger area than Ireland, only slightly, but Ireland has a population, I think, of four or four and a half million people. Iceland, I just couldn't get over how few cars there were in the road, how few people I seen until I googled the population, and it's just over 300,000 people occupying the same landmass as Ireland, so it's so sparse. Even the main city, Reykjavik, when we went in and spent the last day there, it's like a tiny town. It's like there's not much there. So the whole country is set up for this massive adventure. And you see people doing multi-day hikes, multi-day bike packing trips. And that's what Iceland is for. It, it's made for. It's a heaven for this. It's like scale electrics for gravel adventure cycling. The route is on the Rift website to download. So you don't even have to go out there and do the official rift you could go out and take the 50 kilometer route the 100 kilometer route or the 200 and go and do it yourself the only caveat i would say is if you're doing the 200 kilometer route yourself you will need to bring a lot of drinks like my ride time i think was i don't know what my ride time was my total time that day was like 10 hours now i stopped for the mechanic i stopped a bunch of times at rest stops but it's still a long long day out there and to carry 10 hours of food you're gonna need to bring you know at least like I would say at least seven or eight liters of water to get through that event. So it's a difficult one to be totally self-sufficient on. A lot of guys ran camelback bags for the event and I didn't. And I won't do a gravel event again without one of them. I think they're just invaluable. And I was looking on, why are so many people running them? The surface at times, it's so bad. You can't take your hands off the bars. There's long periods where it's not possible to even take one hand off the bar. Like if you have your sunglasses in your helmet vent on the top of your helmet and they wriggle loose you can't get your hand off the bar to tighten them up in your helmet so i learned that in the first section and the sunglasses went into the pocket when i wasn't wearing them but likewise you can't get your hand in to grab a bottle take a drink and put it back in your cage so that's where the little tube coming out of the hydration packs is invaluable luckily enough i didn't have any mechanicals bar the di2 on day it was punctures galore broken wheels one poor lad from trinity racing which is owned by an irish lad andrew quiet he had just such an awful day every time i seen the lad he was punctured i think he broke a wheel punctured four times i seen him at one point 100 kilometers in he asked me would i help him stop and uh he lost his valve extender would i help him look for it so spent a few minutes like combing the trail looking for this lad's valve extender for him because he was screwed without it and i assume he dnf'd because i didn't see him after that uh, and most people caught me given I was spinning away, spinning for winning. Uh, but yeah, that's when I'm a rift debrief. Uh, spent a day after the event, sort of just 
detox and I missed the after party, uh, which was meant to be brilliant fun with some axe throwing food, music, and I do regret missing that. But I was in such a hole after the race. I went back to the camper van, had a shower, lay down on the bed, woke up, and it was like four hours later and it was just about last order's time. And I was like, oh, I cannot be arsed getting changed, getting down to the pub for one drink and then coming home. So yeah, next year I would definitely set an alarm. That would be a lesson I've learned from that one. Other than that, it was just it, every day is a school day with gravel. I learned so much. I went in probably with tires still too narrow, around 44s, probably could have done with 48s. The 44s were sinking a little in the sand. Pressure can almost never be too low. I ran 35. I probably run 30 PSI next time. Uh, more bringing more of my own food and not relying on the aid stations uh, because I don't know how many Snickers bars I had and it was miserable. The day was powered off Snickers bars. I think I had like 14 Snickers bars or something ridiculous. So I'd bring a bit more of my own food, making rice cakes or wraps or something like that. But it's difficult because you don't want pockets full of stuff because it's just weighing you down and all the climbing is front loaded into 470 or 80k. And some of those climbs are like walls, like totally unrideable. Like I'm talking 45% gradients where like you're carrying your bike on your back and you're hiking, almost climbing up this thing. Like you're scrambling up them, they're so steep. But all in all, folks, it was an absolutely epic day. Unbelievable memory and one of the best ones. I've been lucky enough to ride my bike, you know, in a lot of countries around the world, training camps, races, and just riding for pleasure. And this is definitely up there with a podium experience. Now, don't get me wrong. It will, no matter how fit you go in, you're going to go in there and you're going to have a dark, dark time at points. But thoroughly thoroughly enjoyable and it has me hooked on as they say the spirit of gravel roadmen ride safe and i'm going to be back to you again tomorrow thanks for listening to today's episode if you're getting value from the podcast can i ask you for one small favor before you head about your day can you make a point of sharing episodes that you have enjoyed with friends who you think need to hear that message? Or better yet, if you get the episode link and share it into a club, Facebook or WhatsApp group, whatever your particular club is using. I truly believe that we're building something valuable and something special here on the Roadman Cycling Podcast. But I need your help. I need the help of every single Roadman Cycling Podcast listener to spread the word. It is much appreciated, Roadman.